Um, before we get into the, the text that we're going to be looking at, I wanted to ask the question, what would your life be like uh, if it were a movie? I mean, you can, you can think about who your favorite director is and, and, and what kind of scenes you would focus on, but what would your life be like if, if it were framed in, in a movie? And we know that most movies, good movies, will have, you know, the introductory information about, okay, they are introducing these characters and these situations, and, and there's context that's provided, and then it goes into what's called the rising action, where you begin to find out more about these characters, and there's some tension that's beginning to be built until you reach this climactic point at which all of the different characters come together, the circumstances coalesce, and you have this explosion of drama Sometimes it's an explosion of relational drama. Sometimes it's, it's real explosions. It's, it's uh, dynamic. And then you have the, the denouement, the, the falling action, the, the resulting consequences and, and the conclusion of the story. And as you, you think about your own life, I wonder what, what would you say is, is the climactic point of your life? I mean, maybe, you, maybe you're looking ahead. I know I see some young faces and you're like, I haven't even begun to, to express who I am and, and, and build the context for my life. And, and I'm just beginning to learn about things and, and there's, there, we haven't even reached rising action. And then I see some of you and, and you have reached rising action. You've reached the climax and you're, you're, you're riding the horse into the sunset. Or at least that's how you feel sometimes, Right? Maybe you're riding it fast, away from other things, hoping, hoping that, that it will not follow you. And some of you are in between, and, and maybe, maybe Christmas time is a time where you're like, well, this is dynamic. There's, there's a lot of action. There's a lot of drama. I don't know if I would call Christmas my climactic moment, but it is certainly one of those challenging moments where, where all the characters are coming together, and there's a lot of drama in my house because of dinner with family. I'm not talking about me personally, but all of you. But what would your life look like in a movie, and what would be the climax? I want to I look at a guy whose life was, I mean, if we were to visualize it, it would be a lot like a ramp. You know, there's, there's rising action, rising action, rising action, climactic moment, and then he, he, into the sunset. Uh, at least that's, that's the way that Luke tells us about it. But it's, it's a worthwhile life, and, and in this I'm hoping that we'll see that, that the, the climax that he was looking towards, the, the, the final point of, of hinge, of change, of, of turning, is one that, that God invites us to participate in as well. So, many of you are new. It is our tradition to stand as we read the Word of God together. So would you do that? And if you're not new, would you read loudly so that the people who are new can fake it if they need to? We're going to read out of Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 35. Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 35. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace 
according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This is the word of the Lord to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we come to your word looking at the life of Simeon and how he had been waiting. And God, I pray that as we consider your word, we would be able to see with clarity our lives, that we too are waiting, that we have an opportunity like Simeon to respond, to, to react to Jesus, to worship. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would open our eyes to see how great this, this incarnation is, that we would not just box this experience up as, as part of the fun Christmas story, but God, that you would help us to see that in the grand story of creation, we are looking at one of the climactic moments. And God, you are inviting us in to participate in this moment and even to allow our own lives to be rewritten. I pray that you would be with us now as we spend some time in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated. So as we think about this story of this guy named Simeon, I want you to think about this, this statement that God wants you to seize the salvation that comes from Christ. I believe that that's what Simeon's life really points to. God wants you to seize, to take up, to, to grasp, to hold closely the salvation that comes through Christ. In, in Simeon's story, which is really relatively short, 10, ten verses in the Bible, and uh, you, you don't hear anything about him afterwards or before. So it's a really short story. And this guy, he, he lives this potentially a long life, but he's remembered in 10 short verses with really three sections. There's the time of waiting, there's the time of worship, and then there's the time of warning. I'll say that again. There's the time of waiting, there's the time of Worship, and there's the time of warning. We start out with, with waiting. Simeon is very likely an old guy. We, we don't know for certain it's possible that he's a young guy, but it seems like from the way that Luke talks about him that he's an older gentleman because he's waiting for the consolation of Israel, and he's been given a promise, and it says in verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So Simeon he's just a guy. He's not a priest. He's not, uh, he's not a pastor. He, he's just a faithful guy. It says that he's, he's devout and he's righteous and he's waiting. He's been given this, this amazing promise. I, I, I'm going to make sure, God says, I'm going to make sure that you don't see death until you see the Lord's Christ. Now, if, if you're not a, a regular churchgoer, you're like, okay, well, great. The Lord's Christ. I, I, I'd like to see the Lord's Christ. It's fine. 
No, but, but this was a significant thing. What, what was meant by that was that the, the people of Israel were under oppression, and they had been under oppression for a long period of time. They'd been under ruler after ruler and foreign nation after foreign nation, and God had made promises. There had been an amazing king, this guy named David, who had lived an, an amazing life, and apart from uh, his latter life where he made some really big mistakes, he had, he had kind of set the template for what God would do. And God later on says, I'm going to give you another king who's going to rule in the same way that David does. And they've been waiting. They've been waiting. And, and that promised king was called the Messiah or the Christ. And so here Simeon is waiting for this Lord's Messiah. He, he was living under the, impression, the oppression of the Roman Empire. He was living, waiting for all the promises that God had given in the Old Testament to be fulfilled. He was waiting. Now you, you are here and, and maybe you... I don't know. Some of you, I would say, are, are righteous and devout. I mean, maybe you go to church and you, you try to do the right things and, and you try to focus on what God tells you to do. Maybe some of you, though, you're, you're not righteous and devout. And I'm not going to, I don't know you, and you don't, have to, you don't have to tell me. But, you know, you go to work on Monday and, and if I were to talk to your coworkers, they would say, Bill, Righteous? Now, I have some words to describe him, but righteous is not one of them. Or, or, or devout? No. He, I mean, he goes to church. I mean, I actually don't know when the last time he went to church was. Maybe you're not righteous or devout, but I think that one thing that is similar, that one thing that, that Simeon has in common with all of us is that we're all waiting. We're all spiritually hungry. And some of you, you, you recognize that. There's, a, there's this underlying discontentment with life. And there's a desire to be fulfilled and filled in a way that nothing does. You know, work doesn't fulfill you. Relationships doesn't fulfill you. You know, food or other, other pursuits don't fulfill you long term. And there's this angst in your soul and you're like, there's something here I know that I'm, I'm empty. Some of you, you would say that's, that's not the case for you. I'm pretty happy actually. But if I were to look at your life, I would say that, that there's a hole where there's emptiness, but it's been well covered by Twitter and by other activities and by noise and by distractions and by ESPN. And, and you have drowned out your own soul's emptiness with the world. I think most of us are, are hungry. We're spiritually hungry. Now the good news is that God is attracted to the spiritually hungry. He's, he's attracted to those who, who are hungry. And, and Simeon is, is hungry. He gets his first-hand experience of how God meets the spiritual hunger of people. He goes from waiting to worshiping. If we continue on, he says, uh, Simeon came in the spirit into the temple and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, the, uh, Joseph and, and Mary were bringing him to the temple to, to devote him to God, to, to um, do what was required by the law. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and began to say some things. And now if you've been in church, you might read, or if you read your Bible often, maybe you read across this and you're like, oh, that's nice. He took, he took the baby and, and, and blessed him. But, but imagine the situation. Joseph and Mary are bringing their baby to church. 
okay? And uh, some of you are parents, and, and you know your first child, you protect. You, you, you put them in, a lot of times you put them in a, you don't actually do this, I don't know, but uh, a hermetically sealed bubble, right, of experience. You don't want them to be hurt. You don't want that little baby to be dirty or sick or, you know, you got to just make sure. Your second or third kid, you're like, well, I mean, they're not bleeding. They're okay. But the first kid... You just relate to them differently. So Mary and Joseph, they're, they're walking in to do this pious duty. They're, they're making sure to cross their T's and dot their I's and, and, and honor God. And here comes this old man and just walks up and sees the baby. And he doesn't just, you know, sometimes some of us, we like babies. And so you see a baby, and you're like, oh, cool, a baby. You're super cute. You, you begin to make faces and do stupid things and everyone else disappears. You know, in the Barnes household, uh, babies are our family value. So we'll be in Target and, you know, one of my kids will be like, look at the baby. That's, and we, we like babies. But, th- but this isn't just your run-of-the-mill, like, we like babies moment. Simeon sees Jesus and there's just something that happens. I don't know if the Holy Spirit was like, that's, that's the one. Or if he had this gut sense or he just, he just knew. Maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit gave him a description. We don't know, but he sees that this is the one we've been waiting for, the one I've been waiting for, the one that Israel's been waiting for, the one that 700, 800, 900 years, we've been waiting for this child. And he grabs the baby. And again, grabs the baby. If I were to just walk up to one of your kids and just grab them and there's no kind of preamble or anything, you might, what is going on? You know, or, you know, I'm calling the cops, put down my child. You know, some of the dads would be like, some other things would be happening. He grabs the baby, and he looks at this child, and he begins to worship. Now, I will, I will say that for, for Mary and Joseph, if you were to go back and read, some other weird stuff had already happened, right? So they had the baby in a manger, in a stable. That was weird. Before that, this guy, Gabriel, who was an angel of the Lord, completely scared us. And uh, promised that this baby would come. So some weird stuff had already happened. So maybe they were kind of getting used to it and, and thinking to themselves, well, you know, what's one more weird guy? You know, it's, it's, it's the shepherds, it's the angel, now it's this old guy, Simeon. Sure, why not? Okay, come on in. But he has this moment and he begins to worship the Lord. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for the revelation of the Gentiles and for the glory to your people. See, Simeon held up this baby and he didn't just see cute little cheeks and rolls. He saw salvation. He saw peace. He had been waiting and waiting and waiting. Have you ever just been so very thirsty, but you, you, for whatever reason there was no water around? Or so very hungry but you just couldn't, it wasn't time for a meal. Maybe you're on the road and you don't want to stop or, or, or just so very lonely and no one's around and there's just an ache in your soul and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and then you receive that thing that you need and all of a sudden peace washes over you. Temporary though it is. Simeon held this baby and he felt peace. He felt peace. He held this baby and he felt, he, he knew that this was the salvation of God. Salvation wasn't some sort of idea. It wasn't some sort of plan or system. It was a person. It was through this person God was going to bring 
Simeon, and he was going to bring the Israelites, and he'd bring the Gentiles, us, into relationship with God the Father. He was going to remove the barrier of sin and judgment from our lives and bring us into relationship. He was going to save us. And he sees light and glory. Light because now the Gentiles, people like you and me, I think most of us, if you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. People like us, we needed to have our eyes opened, have the light shown about who God really was. And the Israelites have been waiting for God to glorify himself, to glorify his people, to show that he was mighty and faithful to his people. It was a glorious reality that, that Jesus was a Jewish person coming to bring salvation. He was worshiping. Simeon knew the significance of Jesus because God had directed him to Jesus. Simeon could physically hold Jesus and respond. You know, I don't know if you've ever been in church for any length of time, but sometimes you have these moments and you're like, I wish Jesus was like right here. I wish I could look at him and talk to him. You know, it's easier for these guys because they could look at him and talk to him. It's easier for Simeon because he's holding Jesus. What about us, though? How do, we, how do we seize on Jesus the way that Simeon seizes on Jesus? How do I, how do I receive all the things that he received? Right? Do you want peace? Do you want salvation? Do you want light and glory? These are all things that our hearts ache for, but how do we grasp them? For us, seeing is seizing. So, I have a Bible, and... I, to the people who normally come here, I call this my shaking Bible because I shake it at people and say, you should read your Bible. In love, I shake it. And also, I, I like Bibles because you can't get uh, notifications that distract you on the Bible. But God has given us this word, and, and when we read this and begin to look at it and we hear this story, we have an opportunity to go from seeing to seizing in our heart. God invites you not just to read these things, but to then believe them. That God has become a person, that, that Jesus is our salvation, that he offers forgiveness for sins to those who would put their faith in him. When we see him in this way, in this way when, we, when we receive his peace, his salvation, his light, and his glory, we, we begin to seize it. But Simeon doesn't just worship, he gives a warning. As he goes on in verse 34, Simeon blessed Joseph and Mary and, and, and said to Mary, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul as well, so that in the end all the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. You know, it, sometimes I talk to people when they think about Jesus and they're like, Oh yeah, he was a nice guy, you know, he carried lambs on his shoulder, really, you know, very well manicured hair, and he loved people. And they have this kind of very pop vision of Jesus. But the reality is that if you, if you really read what, what is said about him, he was a good man, and he was God, but he, he, wasn't, he wasn't a politician who was trying to bring everyone together. He, he was saying that there is one way to relate to God. There's not two ways, there's not three ways, there's not four ways to get to heaven. There is one way. He, he even goes so far as to say, I am the way, 
the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to heaven. No one comes to God except through what? Me. Simeon knew in this moment that, that Jesus was going to be a lot of things, but one of the things he was going to be was divisive. He was going to divide the world between those who trusted in God and those who wouldn't. Those who would recognize their need for someone to save them and those who would try and manufacture their own salvation by trusting their, their success or their ability to build successful relationships or, or things around them, pursuing functional saviors, pursuing things that, that cover over that hole rather than filling that hole in our heart. In, in this story, as we see Jesus, as I come to a close, um, we have two options. You know, like, like Simeon, you can seize on what God has said about Jesus Christ. You can, you can hold him, maybe not literally, I don't have a, a literal baby Jesus like I said, but you can hear the things that are said that, that uh, Jesus is the salvation of the world, that he's, he is the, the, the glory of God and the light of God for revelation to Gentiles, that he is your salvation. You can believe that or you can seek peace, salvation, light, and glory elsewhere in your in yourself, in others around you, in your money, in your gifts, talents, and abilities, or in your circumstances. Tonight, Luke challenges us to seize the salvation that comes from Christ. And we seize it by seeing Jesus for who he really is, our Lord and Savior. So, this is the story. What about you? Where, where are you in this story? You know, is, this, is this nice information as you go off into your own sunset? Or, or does this begin to shift the storyline of, of your life? Are you waiting with Simeon, spiritually hungry and ready for God to fill you? Or, or are, you, are you spiritually satisfied with your own false foods? Are you, are you worshiping with Simeon or just, just watching? I'm so thankful that... that You've come, and I've seen a lot of neat first-time faces. And my hope is that this would not be a first and last-time face moment, but that you would recognize that we're all spiritually hungry, and we need, we need Jesus. We need to be worshiping and not just watching. And, and how, how are you responding to this warning? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you've sent your Son that you've given us peace, the Prince of Peace. You've given us salvation. You have provided a way for us to experience forgiveness for our sins, our, our wrong actions and wrong behaviors and wrong attitudes. And you've given us a way to live and be in relationship with you in a loving relationship with a Heavenly Father. And I pray that for everyone in this room that, that we would all, with Simeon, embrace Jesus. If you're in this room and you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today would be a great day to do it. If that's you, just raise your hand. There's nothing spectacular about raising your hand, but it's a way of expressing what God is doing in your heart. Great, I see that hand. Once it's up, you can put it back down. If you raised your hand, you can just pray this with me. Father, I turn away from everything I know to be sin. 
and I put my trust not in my own abilities, not in my own sense of right, but in you. And I thank you that Jesus died for my sins, that he rose again, defeating my greatest enemies, Satan, sin, and death, and that I have eternal life in Christ. Help me to walk out this life in a way that honors you. In Jesus' name I pray.